Our scripture today is 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 through 28. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. This is the word of the Lord. I'm just super mindful of with it getting cold outside and people spending more time inside. Um, man, just depression is really natural, I think, for people to feel more depressed than they usually do. I think, um, is the mic okay or should I go to the thing? Are we okay? Okay. It feels okay? Okay. Um, but people being depressed, I think, more than normal, just the climate politically, the climate of just a lot of things going on right now. I'm just mindful of even giving meals to people. Like for 30 teachers, for us to show up and give meals to 30 teachers. And, and if that's not your thing, totally not, you know, that's fine. But I think for all of us, I just encourage us to look for any opportunities the next couple months to just love people. And if people are like, aren't you outraged by me? Aren't you offended by me? You know, and like that's, that feels like our climate is like, let's be outraged with each other. Let's look for an example to be, or areas where we can be outraged. But to be like, oh, wow, that's an area I could actually just tell someone, here you go, no strings attached. I hope you enjoy that. Because just the way Jesus treats us and the way he should be outraged by us, he should feel so outraged by our lives and our sin and our, our rebellion and the love that he shows us continually and continually moving towards us um, man, I think for us to find any opportunities this season. And so, so I just want to encourage all of us to, and I would say if you see those opportunities, let, let us know, let, let the church know uh, as we are like, hey, this is a way that we could actually love, love people, no strings attached, show them the love of Jesus and just enjoy loving people and serving people. Um, please let me know or share it with somebody else that, that we can jump in and be a part of that too. I was thinking this week that when I was growing up, I had some people, I actually was uh, bumping in at the orchard this week to Gary Kokenauer. Some of you know Gary. Gary was my Sunday school teacher when I was growing up. And Gary actually lived in the house that Tanner and Kim live in now when I was growing up. And I, I saw him at the orchard. We chatted a little bit, but we, we talked about when my time in Sunday school with him and he brought up some funny things I said to him and things and how much I appreciated him because I said he used Gary talk, which is that I could understand what he was saying. <laughs> like It was hard for me to understand a lot of times what people were saying when they were opening the word of God and that wasn't on them. I think that was on me that I just didn't have ears to hear at that time. And as I was even thinking, what I knew about the Bible when I was growing up was probably that I knew there was Jesus I knew there was Mary, I knew there was Moses, uh, I knew David and Jonah. I kind of knew those big characters, but like if you press me on it, like if you're like, does Jonah have his own book in the Bible? I'd be like, oh, I don't know. I know there's something with him and a fish, but I don't know where that is. I don't know any details about that. And I, I think if you press me, this book to me, I, I honored it, 
I thought that this book was full of really sacred things, but I don't think I felt that it was custom made for me to, to actually like feast on every word of it and for every word of it to actually deeply affect my life. And I just didn't think that was what it was about. And I didn't think that I would have the ability to know it in that way. Maybe some people know it in that way, but I didn't think I would be able to know the Bible in that way. And it wasn't until I gave my life to Jesus when I was in college and, and I, for whatever reason, started having this, this real thirst for the Word of God and this thirst to actually know God, the living God, through this, which I had never connected those to each other and thought of it that way. And um, as I read the Bible and as I started to read the Bible too, it struck me that it felt like these people lived like wartime type lives. It felt to me like, man, like they just had their whole city destroyed or they just got thrown in prison for preaching the gospel. Man, those people live like wartime type lives. And it's not to, there are stories of people in this room, there's, in all of our stories, we have aspects of, of really hard things. I think, though, when I would read the Bible overall, it felt to me like I was in peacetime. And I was reading a lot about people in wartime. And it felt to me like, hey, I think I'm not going to get thrown in prison today for anything connected to Jesus, more than likely. And, and it just felt that way. And I do think that we are in a season where a lot of us are experiencing more wartime type thinking than we have in a long time. Now, I'm not saying I've never been to war, so I'm not saying we are in wartime. I'm saying we have experienced more of that as a culture and as a community than we have in the past. At least in our generation, I would say many of us, we are experiencing things that affect us all. And I believe for us, the Bible is starting to speak to us and we're seeing things in the Bible that maybe we had read and never felt before. Maybe we've read about how, how big things that are happening can like divide people right in half, you know, and, and divide churches. And yeah, like, it's like, man, who cares what color the carpet is now? Like the famous thing was always like the color of the carpet, that choice has divided like more churches in the United States than any other things, you know, it's just them not agreeing on what the carpet should look like. It's like, that feels so silly compared to now that the heat is turned up. And uh, what I'm loving though is I feel like I'm seeing more in the Bible than I've seen. And I feel like as a church, we are seeing more of the timeliness of the word of God speaking to us in a precious, clear, light in dark places way. And I feel like First Thessalonians has been a gift to us. I feel this way with First Thessalonians. I feel like today we're kind of saying goodbye to a good friend who has served us really well on the ground. Now, thankfully, we can open it at any time. So, uh, but as it relates to us as a church, you know, we probably won't preach through First Thessalonians next year uh, just because there's 66 books of the Bible. And, and we probably won't return to books super often. So our time in First Thessalonians, I feel like as a church, has been a great gift to us with the idea, too, of like, here you have a church plant, 
in its first year that is hit with so much affliction that the Apostle Paul himself, who has all the hope in the world, thinks that Satan has probably snuffed out the church. He thinks like probably this church did not survive the initial onslaught that the prince of darkness had to snuff out the light. And so Paul is really concerned in the early chapters of 1 Thessalonians. If you're just joining us now, all of those sermons are online. Uh, You can even do podcasts where you can listen to them as you're driving around town or working or whatever it may be. But here, what I love is Paul then sees that in the midst of such crazy first year as a church plant, that it is alive and well that Satan was not able to stop it. It is actually flourishing and thriving. And what I love is Paul's like, this is awesome. And then he uses a whole book of the Bible to teach, correct, and instruct the church. So I love that it's alive and well, it's thriving, and we need a ton of correction, right? I mean, it's just like you hit the, st- the gas super hard on the, on the vehicle. You don't take your hands off the steering wheel, right? Like we know, like even if you're going strong, you're correcting all the time because it's very clear, like, hey, we're heading this way, and if I just take my hands off this thing, I'm going straight into the ditch. And First Thessalonians is like, hey, we're going. We are like the wind is in our hair, and there's a lot of direction that the Lord has for us in this. And I'm just grateful that he has corrected us. And this is our final message in this book today. We're going to go into a focus on how Jesus actually deeply cares about how thankful our hearts are. So it's not just like we're doing a Thanksgiving series. We're really doing a series on thanks and the role that that we're directed there. So that'll be the month of November. Uh, Then we're going to go into our Advent series in December. We'll start another book of the Bible in January. Um, So this, man, it's just a great season to invite people to join us as well as as we start uh, honing in on some of these messages. But um, let me pray for us as we we jump into the remaining verses of 1 Thessalonians 5. Lord, I do thank you for all that you have encouraged us with through this book, that these are your very words for us. They're so timely so many times, and I felt this with Daniel. I felt this as we went through Ephesians, is so many of these verses just feel hot off the press, and that is your wisdom, your genius at work, truly, in writing a word so long ago that deeply applied to the church in Thessalonica and a letter written custom made, it feels like, for us here in rural central Iowa in 2020. So thank you, thank you that you are so good to us in those ways. And in these verses, these five verses, Lord, would you change us for your glory, we pray, amen. All right, so we're in 1 Thessalonians 5. Uh, If you have Bible, turn there. Out on the connect table in the back, we have little scripture journals, which is the entire book of 1 Thessalonians, just in a little booklet. Then every other page is blank, so you could take notes. Um, If you don't have one of those yet, we're going to put them in a box and store them away somewhere for a long time. So feel free to grab some. Maybe you could take some people through through this book, coworkers or something. So grab six of them if you need to or whatever. but uh, then we'll have the verses on the screen too. So 1 Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 23, says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless 
at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. These verses proclaim, I think, a crucial point that we just must know. And I think it's easy to forget in the mundane things of life. I think it's easy to minimize it. And what we're, it's easy for us to minimize. Paul is maximizing. He is, he is maximizing this, if that's a word. The point here is that God himself transforms us. There's only like one takeaway from, from these two verses. God himself transforms us. Verse 23, you might not catch it because you're not reading the whole chapter at once, but verse 23 is a pivot where Paul goes from teaching to praying for us. So verse 23 is a prayer that Paul is praying for the Thessalonians. He is talking to God about the Thessalonian church. They've been directly encouraged in this letter. I hope we've been encouraged in this letter over the last couple months. They were encouraged greatly uh, that they had survived such a rough year. They were instructed in so many ways. They had needed to be instructed in so many ways. We need to be instructed in so many ways for Jesus to be at the center of us being alive and flourishing today in our circumstances, in our community, in our church. Last week was that, if you remember, last week was that like, like right before you get off the bus to compete, that last talk that the coach gives us, uh, that was last week. Now this week, Paul starts praying for them. He starts praying for us. He desires, look at the words here, he desires that the God of peace would sanctify them completely. There's a whole bunch just in that. I know the verse goes on, but just in that, there's a whole bunch of what he's talking about. So he's praying, look who he's praying to you. The God of peace. Have you ever said that in your prayers? Instead of saying Jesus, Holy Spirit, Father, God of peace. So what's interesting is over 100 times in Scripture, God uses a different name to speak of himself. So you might be like, oh, I've got like four nicknames based on whose company I'm in, right? He has over 100 nicknames, accurate nicknames. You know, like if we had a guy in the church and we called him Hawkeye Hank, right? Like you would think the Hawkeyes are not just some like, like just side interest that he occasionally catches a game once in a while. You would think like the Hawkeyes are such a central part of who he is that calling him Hawkeye Hank is accurate, and now, formal names like Elohim, Adonai, Yahweh, um, those are formal names that we could dive into. But many of these names, you could almost say, are accurate nicknames of God. They so encapsulate who he is that he even uses it as a name. And so here, a, oh, so, so some of them is names like Almighty, so sometimes just the word almighty is used instead of Elohim, Yahweh, God, Lord. It's almighty. Sometimes it's bread of life. Comforter. Comforter. Hey, are you comforter? Yeah, I'm comforter. Deliverer. Holy one. Lion of the tribe of Judah. Redeemer. Those are some of the many names that are truly used in a proper name sense in Scripture. And here, Paul prays to the one who is named God of peace. Peace so accurately describes him that he can say, yeah, that's my name. 
God of peace. That's my name. Then these two words are the focus of this prayer to the God of peace. It's, so these, Paul is writing Greek words. The two words that he's using here is hagiasai and halatalais. Hagiasai and halatalais. Hagiasai is translated here sanctify. So when he's praying, he's saying, Lord, God of peace, sanctify. Hagiasai. This the translators for the ESV chose, like, hey, we got to use a word here. We'll use the word sanctify. Words like this, though, they have such a depth of meaning that a word is chosen, but to kind of get the picture of the word, it's helpful sometimes to what are other words that are being used to bring this Greek word and all the facet, like facets of a diamond. How can all these facets kind of be placed into the English language so we can kind of see the fullness of what's being prayed for him here? So in addition to sanctify, this word carries the meaning of setting something aside for holy purposes. So if you didn't use the word sanctify, you could use a phrase like, like, God of peace, would you set them aside for your holy purposes? To dedicate something for greater purposes, to even even this is a way that some people think of this word, word, is to eliminate anything that is incompatible with holiness. Eliminate anything that's incompatible with holiness. And I remember, I think it was a Da Vinci where they were asking him like how he did his sculptures when he was able to, to sculpt. And, um, and he basically said like, I just start with a, with a block of stone and I just remove everything that doesn't look like an angel. And just like, nope, that doesn't look like it, that doesn't look like it. And then he has this like amazing statue at the end. And it's like, oh, you made a great statue. He's like, no, I just got rid of everything that wasn't the statue. That was simple, you know. And it's like, oh, okay, that's a different way to look at it. And here, this word, hagiasai, carries that sense of like eliminating everything that's incompatible with purity, incompatible with holiness. So God of peace, would you, hagiasai, would you... Bring peace where there is no peace. Timely message, perhaps. Would you bring peace where there is no peace? And would you do this, the next word, completely, halatalais? Would you do this completely? Now, once again, this is a word that is fuller than the word complete. And so when we look into the word complete, so for instance, the New Living Translation shows some of the nuance of this by using the word, instead of using the word completely, uh, the word that they use is in every way. Would you bring peace in every way? The NIV translation, the way that they wrestled with this word and how to convey this word in the English language is that they render it with a phrase, through and through. Would you, God of peace, bring peace where there isn't peace, and would you do it through and through? Would you do it thoroughly? Would you do it thoroughly? So just looking at the beginning of verse 23, this powerful prayer. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. It really carries the weight that God himself is bringing peace to the areas of our life where there is no peace, and he is thorough about it. He is thorough about it. There's no area of our life where he doesn't say, mine. There's no area of our life where he does not say, mine. Not because he is a bad God who just wants to take ground, 
but because he's the God of peace who's wanting his people to experience peace and knowing that if there is a place in our life where there is no peace, that affects all of our life. So he is thorough in his approach to us. He declares his territory in his thoroughness. Um, the way that this has been helpful for me, even in like some counseling situations where I'm being counseled, not where I'm the hero counseling people, but where I'm just sitting there knowing the mess that I am and how in need of Jesus I am, is I've had people paint a picture of like, imagine if your life is just a house, like a multi-story house. And you know, a lot of us have rooms like this where it's like when you're cleaning your house, you throw everything in one room and you shut that door, maybe lock it. And if someone even wants to take a tour of your house, you are happy to give them a tour of the house. Yeah, so except for that room, <laughs> we don't go in that room. And our life can be like that. That can be our life too, where we have placed things in certain floors, placed things in certain parts of our story, placed things in certain, certain rooms. And it's like, oh yeah, let's talk about anything. What about that? Oh, well, I mean, anything. We don't go in that room, but we can talk about anything else. And what can happen then is we're resisting the Lord from his thoroughness, what he's inviting us into in community. And, um, and man, sometimes that room sets the house on fire. <laughs> and that's why he cares so much about him being thorough to actually move into all of those places and be like, hey, you could actually trust me in that room. I'm actually good in that room. And if, if you and I can get to a good place in that room, that's gonna affect your whole, your whole life. And, and, and we can trust each other to go into those places too. And that's the beauty of us really being a body and a family of Christ. So, so uh, let's look at this again. So sanctify you completely, uh, then the next part, may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he is working sanctification completely, thoroughly in all, of a lot, in all of our lives, and look at this, in all of us. So you can look at this as like rooms in your life too. Our spirit, our soul, our body, all that we are for the entire distance. His sanctification is thorough. Um, this is amazing, amazing news. Look at verse 24. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. One second. I think I, uh, I think I missed a verse here. I'm going to back up just a little bit. Okay, blame us at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Um, look at this. If we go to verse 23, now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I, I felt like I was missing a section there and I wanna really make sure that we don't miss this, which is the question of how long is he up for this? How long can we expect him to be thorough in the God of peace, setting us apart, making us look more like Jesus how long can we expect him to do that until he gives up on us or until he moves on to somebody else? And what I love here is that middle section, we get it right there, is that he is going to keep us until 
the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So basically, until you hear the trumpet blast and Jesus coming back for us, you can assume the God of peace is setting you apart and is thorough in giving you peace to all areas of your life. And he is up for it till the end and he will do it. I mean, gosh, like that is the mic drop of the end of 1 Thessalonians for us. And this is a prayer. I mean, this is Paul saying, hey, I've corrected you. I've taught you. Look what he's doing. Look how thorough he is in doing it. And look for how long he is committed to do it for. This is in the midst of all sorts of stuff in our society. I feel like this is like, hey, who should we be looking to right now? Who should we be trusting right now? Who should we be listening to right now? And Paul is like, man, I know the one who is committed and his actual name is God of peace. And then how Paul then pivots from here is look at verse 25. This is Paul's word after he prays for the church. Brothers, pray for us. Paul is saying, I need this too. I'm not just like on some ivory tower telling you guys how much you need this. I pray for us. Brothers, pray for us. Pray for, for God reigning in me too. Pray for the God of peace transforming me too. Uh, we individually come to Jesus and give our lives to Jesus. And then from there, our walk with God is a community project and a community effort. And we need all of us to be lifting each other up. And I think the, a, a second way that we could write this is just, is just we pray for each other. We pray for each other. And I love here that Paul didn't give like, hey, I'm gonna write now six paragraphs about ways you can pray for us. He's like, look at all that we've talked about. Look at this prayer that I just prayed for you. Now, pray for me. Pray for me. Um, I was just, I was thinking about this this week and I was just like, man, I would, it would be really cool to get a text message, and I'm not trying to single anybody out, but it's just who popped in my mind was like, I think it'd be awesome for Steve Shipton to like text me and just be like, hey, Tim, I was just praying for you that God himself, the God of peace, is bringing peace to your life, making you whole in every area of your life until you see him again. I'd be like, okay, <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you for praying that. What's so weird, though, and it's in me, too, and this is blood that runs through my veins, too. It's so easy to be like, who does Steve think he is? What type? Let me look at every word there. Does he think that I am? What's he, what's he really trying to say here? And, man, like, I could end up responding back like, Ugh, you know, like, hey, I'll pray for you, too, that blah, 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 you know, and I'm, like, cutting you down, you know, and it's like, no, like, gosh, I love then that Paul's just like, hey, pray for me. I, I need you to pray for me, and I'm going to be praying for you. And man, if I got a prayer like that from Steve, and by God's grace, I'm walking in the spirit, not in the flesh, that I'm then praying for him and being like, God, do that in him too. Thank you that he is yours. And yes, yes, amen, amen, and amen. And then look at verse 26, we get to kiss each other. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. <laughs> Just kidding. I think this is the wrong time in our culture to, uh, 
even in cultures, so in the Roman culture, it was appropriate. Uh, you see this like Italians that are like kissing each other on both sides of the cheek or like in Mediterranean cultures, you see this in, um, uh, in Middle Eastern cultures, you see this more and more um, that, that people are actually kissing each other in the cheek. I think, I think what Paul is encouraging here culturally is that we don't leave anybody out. I think he's culturally encouraging that in ways that promote unity, in ways that promote closeness, even in the midst of such affliction that they were experiencing, don't forget to be affectionate towards each other. Don't just tolerate each other, but actually be affectionate towards each other, like love on each other. Enjoy being around each other. Make sure no one is left out. Make sure everyone's included, that everyone is greeted, that all are taught these words. Look at verse 27. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. I love how Paul even here is like, swear to me. Swear to me that there will not be one person who does not hear this. If people are sick, if people are traveling in the Roman Empire, and maybe they weren't in Thessalonica when this letter was read, swear to me that no one will be left out here. I put you under oath to the Lord that you will have this letter read to all the brothers. Maybe this is even people who are illiterate and can't read. And it's like, read it to them. I don't want anybody in your community to not be aware of the God of peace and to be aware of what he offers to all of us. And I, I love that this is his heart. Like, this is treasures that, that we have. Make sure all are aware of this treasure. Making sure that you could, kind of a third point here is that all have access to God and to his church. And we need to be creative in how we do this. We need to be creative over the next several months how we do this to ensure that, that there aren't people who are in really dark spots and they're like on an island and no one is swimming out to them. <laughs> like we need to ensure that people are hearing of the God of peace and the peace that he is bringing through his son and that he will do it and he is relentless and thorough for our good uh, Look at verse 24. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Now, this letter wraps up with this last verse saying, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. I love that that's like Paul's final, you know, he's not like recording a video on his phone and sending it to them the next week. Like these may be the last words he ever says to the church. And he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Jesus is gracious. He gives us what we don't deserve. We deserve his wrath. We deserve distance from him. He, however, is on a sacred mission for us. Like that's why we named this church Sacred Mission Church. It wasn't because of anything that we have going on. It's because we believe Jesus is alive and well in 2020 and he is on a sacred mission for the people of rural central Iowa, and we just get to join him and follow him as he is taking ground and as he is on the move. He offers each of us everlasting life. When we trust him, when we bow our life to him, we are receiving his grace. When we bow our knee to him, we are receiving his grace. His grace is with us. When we reject Jesus, we're rejecting his grace. 
when we are ignoring Jesus, we are ignoring his grace for what he wants to do. All the treasures that are in store as his sons and daughters. His forgiveness, given a purpose, gifted for his church. Ignoring all of that is ignoring his grace. Resisting his sanctification is resisting his grace. I just say, man, I, would the grace of our Lord Jesus be with us? Receiving his grace that we need, man, to make it through this next week, that we need to be able to draw towards each other. We need to, to be a light in our community, a light to our families. Would we receive his grace today? And for some, this would be the first time. You say, hey, my MO has been ignoring his grace, resisting his grace, and he is gracious to allow that to happen. He is gracious to keep you in this room or keep you online. He is gracious to continue to offer you peace and offer you freedom. So man, I implore you that like, would today be the day of salvation for you? Would today be the day where you say, I am receiving your grace? I receive your grace. Would the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you? Yes. Yes, I would like that. I would like him. And I would say, do that to you. Do, do that today. Give your life to him. And for others, man, let's receive the grace of our Lord and let's be faithful in our lives, truly. But remember, he is the one that says he is faithful. He will do it as we come to him. And maybe what it is is maybe there's that room in your life where you're like, okay, would the Lord's grace walk with me into that room and would I start find, finding healing there and start finding freedom there? So what communion is, is it is his idea of us communing with him, stepping into his presence. And uh, as we take communion, what he said is do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. He said, I will physically we will celebrate this together one day at the wedding feast of the Lamb. As often as you do it, though, and this is his design for us to commune with him as a family together, uh, we take, and the way that we have it in kind of COVID season is we have a cup within a cup. There's wine or juice. There's signs there, so obey your conscience there. And then the cup underneath is bread. On the top is uh, the wine or the juice. And so we'll just take one of those, and the way we'll do is we'll uh, will come, but don't come quickly. The warnings in Scripture are actually if the Lord's revealed sin to you, um, if, if there are really broken relationships that need to uh, have healing, maybe that's a text of like, hey, sorry, I'd love to talk to you about this. But we should make movements towards confessing any known sin uh, then come and come to the table. So what we'll do is we'll come, we'll take the elements, we'll stay standing, we'll take it together as family. If you are not currently a follower of Jesus and your heart is pounding with receiving his grace, I'd say receive his grace, give your life to him, and then come to the table. So let's come, let's respond to him.